Next up on Talk Zone is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Are you concerned about your job? Concerned about losing it? Concerned about not having the tools needed to reinvent your career or to reposition yourself in the workplace? If the answer to any of these questions is yes, or even if you just want to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, then join the conversation right now on Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Now, here are your hosts, Charlie and Eva. Welcome, everyone. It is Monday. It is 4 p.m. Eastern, and, and that, we are here with Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. And that music gets to you every time. I love it. it? I, I love it. I, I love our Talk Zone family. I love the producer. Um, it just puts you in a mood. Yeah. So hope everybody had a good weekend or Fourth, Fourth of, of July, July weekend. Hoopla, bombs yeah. bursting in air and um, all of that stuff. Um, like us. We laid low. We laid low. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so welcome again. We have a great show planned. It's just us today. And I know. Are- I'm so excited when it's just us. I mean, I love our guests. I love every single one of our guests. I know that that sounds cheesy, but I really do. But I kind of like when it's just us, too. Yeah, a little less um, pressure. A little less hoopla. And um, so... A little more talking. A little more talking. But we're here for a reason, right? We're here to make a difference. We're here to raise the bar. It's on all of us, right? That's why we're here. Well, yeah, and I mean the mission of Corporate Talk is is to use all of our collaborative powers to make a difference in the workplace, even as one person. And if you think one person can't make a difference, think about one of my guys, Paul Revere. Well, and that's kind of why we're bringing this up, because I know that people ask, well, how can you make a difference as one person? That's impossible. Right. And we're going to go into all of that, right? It's on us to do that. That's why we're here. Uh, It's on you guys as well. First, I want to say we had some great shows in the past. We have some great shows in the future. Yes. We love our content. So you guys, I hope, have the Talk Zone app downloaded. It's free. If not, go to Play Store. Go to your Play Store, download a Talk Zone. And you can find us in the business channel. Yes, and it's free, so it's easy. You just put in Talk Zone, and it comes right up, and there we are. And then when you log into Talk Zone, you'll see the business channel and Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. Right, 7 by 24 replays. Yeah, every single one of our shows is available on replay, and also on iTunes as well. Okay, so today's theme, making a difference. Um, We... Did a little bit of homework together. We had a little bit of a, of a disagreement on some stuff, right, because we have different approaches. Right, and I think that's what's going to make this show good is we do have very different approaches. Not always very different, but we do think differently. Right. So, okay, so we want to make a difference. What does that mean? Mm. What we first want to do is we want to say why, right? Why do we want to make a difference? What are the benefits? Why bother? Why bother? Right. Yeah. I, I, I know for me, when I reinvented myself, I made a difference as one person. And it changed my life. So for me, that's why. It changed my life. Um, and one of the benefits is that you become a go-to person. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what you want, right? You want to be a partner, not a resource. Yeah, you absolutely want to be a partner. Otherwise, why are you there? You want people to be able to 
come to you, not so that your whole day is taken up with questions. That's not really the point. But you want to be the person that people can turn to that they know is, A, going to have their back, is going to be a team player, and is also going to work towards getting something done. And it's not always at the expense of everyone else around them. Because some people will work to get something done, but they'll be crazy. Right, and they'll just be focused on their work, their job description. Right. And they could be really good at it. Yeah. Um, But honestly, that's why you're there, right? And we want more. Right, we absolutely want more. And just as an example, okay, so we challenge ourselves as well, right? We can't just say it and not do it, Mm -hmm. right? So for me, I'm always trying to make a difference. Um, And so I take my seminar or my content and I take it to the next level. And now we're going to the next level with um, my agile training, Mm -hmm. right? I'm partnering with a global company because I believe I can help in the training area as well from being in 25 or so corporations. So in other words... um, the bar is always being raised. Well, you're always as good as your last project. Right. Right. I mean, that's how that's how it is in every organization. That's how it is with anything that you do. You're always only as good as your last project. You see, it's too easy yeah. to just uh, support the bully at work. Mm-hmm. For me, anyway, it's too easy to sit there And if you're working for an aggressive person or the the aggressive person in charge to just say what they want to hear. Honestly, after 40 years in the industry, it's too easy. I'm actually uh, better than that. And um, and that challenged me to make a difference. No, I think that's a really good point. And I think a lot of times that people wonder, well, how can I make a difference? I'm only, you know, at this level. I don't have any real authority. But what I found was is that at any level that I was at, I would make a difference by doing a few things, you know, learning how to speak up, learning how to really understand my job. What I found was you'll meet a lot of people that only understand their piece of a job they don't really understand how it impacts those around them. So it's not only just understanding what it is, what your job responsibilities are, but it's also understanding how what you do impacts those people down the line. I always go back to that one TED Talk that I watched with the, the smoking French guy, and he was really good because he basically said, I forget how many organizations he had been with his consulting company, but it was quite a huge number of, large organizations that he, with his consultants, had gone into. And he said, no matter where you go, everyone says the same thing, my job sucks. And so they wanted to see what it was about that. Why were so many people saying that their job sucked? And what they found was is that people don't understand how what they do impacts people down the line. So he used the example of an automotive manufacturer. And he said, once... You, the people that were the engineers understood what the people in the service department had to go through to, let's say, do an oil change. Yeah, right. Right. And so they would then redesign the way they put in their motors in order to make it easier for the service department to be able to fulfill different needs that customers would come in with because it was exactly what you were saying. You know, what they found out was. 
yeah, they made this really nice, efficient motor, but yet the guy in the service department, it took him three times as long to actually change the oil. And so when you start to understand what it is that you do and then what it and how it impacts the people in the other areas, you start to feel better about what you do because you feel you can really make an impact. Right. And but let's be clear, right? It's yeah. not easy. No, it's not easy. And a lot of times I remember my my um former life as an IT consultant, there would be times when I would be saying, okay, now take a look at this and see when we're putting in this software, how this impacts the people down the road. And they're like, well, how do you know that? I'm like, because I asked the questions. I mean, We've I got everybody you, and their mom in these meetings asked uh, Being in questions. development at uh, three in the morning, mm-hmm. uh, chain smoking, if you were to make <laughs> that point, we would say, kid, excuse me. You know, uh, and we would just continue. Right, because you can't bring that crap up at three in the morning right, so when you, everyone's chain smoking. That was the ex- <laughs> you. You bring the exception, right? Right. So teammates like you is what we need to develop. Well, but okay, so let's go back to that three in the morning chain smoking point, right? I mean, that's an extreme example. But yet, on the other hand, when you would start questioning, why are we even here at three in the morning, right, doing some of this stuff? Sometimes you had to be there. But other times we were implementing without really asking. Yeah. What? How is this affecting the people down the road? They might they may not even want this. The whole credibility of business is suspect. It is really suspect. Well, right. the whole credibility, mm-hmm. not around business, because business can deliver, right? I mean, and business does deliver. If it wasn't delivering, we wouldn't, you know, be able to go to the ATM and get money out of the cash station, un- unless we were in Greece. But yeah. that's a whole nother. But they can still get their 60 euros out. So, you know, business does deliver, but we can be faster. We can be happier. Yeah. You know, and, and people look at that happiness piece as weakness. But... You can be happier. Happier employees make for better products. Well, what we were talking about yesterday, and even in in my evolution, um, what what was the the linchpin say that made me want to make a difference? Right, mm. and for me, it was motive. Right, mm-hmm. I needed a motive. So what does that mean? It wasn't my personal motive. I needed a motive that others would embrace, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I needed a motive that others, meaning coworkers, would embrace and it would benefit the company. And then I started thinking about that some more. And not only that, but it can't impact anyone else, right? In a negative way. In a negative way. Right. So for me... I dwelled on that, right? And I spun on it. And, and that's the genesis around the care, the care model and the shared leadership model. Um, for me, that was the motive. So I had a motive now. So now I'm going to work and I, and my, my motive is to have the courage to take action relevant to uh, everyone. And I was making a difference in my own way. Mm-hmm. And I actually felt like a partner. People would come over to me and say, my most cherished um, compliment, what do you think? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for the first 42 years of my career, I didn't hear that as much. Once I developed my shared leadership model as my motive 
Same person, same level of intelligence. I'd go to work and they'd say, what do you think? So we were making a difference together. Right. 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 Um, and like you said, uh, once we were happy about it, because I was proud, mm. everything started to be better. Uh, people were coming in earlier because they were interested in what they were doing because they knew there was trust and we weren't micromanaging and out to get them and so on and so on. Right. And I think um, trust and motive are huge components. And I think sometimes people will say, well, yeah, but you guys talk corporate. You know, I'm an entrepreneur. I have, you know, we'll use the example of a cupcake store. You know, I have a cupcake store. And so how does that really cupcakes. impact? You know, we do love cupcakes. Um how does that really impact me? Well, I'll tell you how it impacts you. I mean, if you if you can have a motive besides the fact that you make a really good cupcake, but also what is it that your customers need? You know, maybe your customers need you to stay open a little bit longer. Maybe your customers need you to actually open at the time that the hours are posted. I mean, we've found that a lot, that a lot of times there's a lot of different organizations here, a lot of little small stores that the numbers on the, the hours on the door are more of a guideline. Uh, or anything. Uh, <laughs> and you're right. Uh, the the thinking, I, I guess, is the job description. Mm-hmm. Make the cupcake, mm-hmm. but not run the business. Not run the business and not really look at what the consumer is looking for besides a really good cupcake. Right. So they too need that motive. Point, yes, right? that's my point. I mean, it, it just trickles down through everything. Yeah, and then and then they can make a difference, and then customers will get that, and they would want to go there. Yeah, I agree. And then the other thing that you you brought up is that you kind of just you kind of just slid it in there, right? Was trust, and trust is huge. And so we're about to take our first break, but I think when we come back, we should start talking about trust a little bit and yeah. what that entails. I agree. Um, trust, I always said, needs to be earned. And that's a great point. I want to talk about some C-level issues that I see in corporate okay. and trust. So, yeah, excellent. Okay. Um, so, okay. Whew. So we're talking, making a difference. Um, and stay with us. We have a lot more to discuss. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. And we'll be right back. CARE Certification in the Workplace is the award-winning shared leadership training seminar that will revolutionize your career and position you as the go-to person in your organization regardless of your job description. CARE is the acronym for Courage to Take Action Relevant to Everyone. This means your new workplace mission is to deliver results for the good of the company but not at the expense of others. Up until now, CARE certification was only available through company-sponsored seminars. But now you can become CARE certified in the workplace on your own time. Order Module 1 today and begin the transformation. There's unlimited opportunity in the workplace today, provided you have the right strategy. Becoming CARE certified is the right strategy. For more information and to order, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. And now, let's return to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Thanks for staying with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. And today, we're discussing how to make a difference in the workplace, even as one person. And even if you're not in a leadership role. Right. We said why? Because it's right. Because it's the right thing to do. And it gives you a leg up on the others around you. 
Yes, that's your job too. Right. So before the break, we were talking about motive, and then I also brought up trust because trust is a huge issue, and I think it's becoming an even bigger issue. I don't think anybody trusts anybody anymore. And so how do you begin trusting? You know, people will say, this is this is another one of those where, you know, you'll ask 10 people and everybody will say, I'm trustworthy, but those around me are not. Yeah. So then who's not trustworthy, right? right? There's all of us at times are jerks. So in my book, I say 100% of the people I spoke to yeah. agree there are issues, problems, and concerns in the workplace. And that same 100%, everyone I spoke to said issues, problems, and concerned Concerns are caused by others. Others, always. just what you said. <laughs> so, hello. And we'll say the same thing, right? I mean, and we'll have our moments where we cause issues. I mean, everybody does. But but I think one of the first things you have to learn is, is that be aware of that. Yeah. Right? Become it's, aware of it. It's a challenge. Um, I can tell you, um, I was all over trust, just like we're talking. Mm. And I didn't know where to start. Trust has to be earned. And I was in a situation with a fairly new team. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't trusting them, and they weren't trusting me. Go right. figure. What a way to work, right? Right. So I rolled the dice, and I had to give them – I had to test it. I gave them a reason to trust me. I shared something that maybe I shouldn't have. And, um, you know, of course, within compliance, I'm not talking about, you know, the secret in them. Um, and because I trusted that they would understand and uh, that would start building. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's easy to say trust is earned, but you sometimes have to be that presence to take the initiative to be trusted. Yeah, I agree. You know, we hear so much about team and team building and teammates and teamwork and blah, 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 blah. And everybody talks team, yet nobody trusts anybody. So how is that a team? Right. Right. And the way to start having trust in your team is to make make yourself the example. You be the trustworthy one first, not throwing people under the bus. People do it all the time and it's easy to do it. So that you don't get into, you know, quote unquote trouble, right? But it's huge if you're the one that A, will take the hit or also take the hit for the team. Well, um, you know, that's the whole thing, what you just said is right Mm, there, right? mm -hmm. You have to have that courage and that trust. You Um, have to have courage. I walk in when I coach and I say, nobody goes on my watch. I'll take the hit. And of course, the Bullies love that. They'll just, okay, bye, and they'll shoot me, right? <laughs> um, but honestly, um, you, have to, you have to start somewhere. Right. Somebody has to be the presence needed to, to promote trust. Right. Um, and that's making a difference. You know, um, let's, let's talk about these, these corporate leaders that everybody loves, right? Let's talk about the guys that created the top ten, bottom ten. Okay? Yeah. So – they created a top 10, bottom 10 ranking system mm-hmm. so that um, you, the, each department would rank their top 10 employees and their bottom 10 employees. And what happened was uh, it put everybody against each other, right? right. Nobody trusted it. Well, I'm not going to do that. I might end up in the bottom 10. Right. 
Right. Trust lost to this day the company's suffering. Right. Right. So, okay. So when leadership says something that doesn't equate to what you believe is trust, you need to step up. Right. And I get it. Right. It's not that easy. So call us and we'll step up for you. Right. Because <laughs> I, you know, I'm, you'll step up. Yeah. No, but what I, you know, I don't want to just say that because we're talking, you know, our first point was motive. Our second well, That's why motive, we argued yesterday. We did argue about this. Our second motive is trust. And I think the trust piece is very simple. You need to become trustworthy. Right. Well, I'm saying if, if you're not, if you're not, do I say something? Right. Right. But that brings up the next point, which is courage. Courage. Right. And so, you know, going from, tr- you know, being trustworthy. And then also calling other people on the trust aspect right. takes courage. But it doesn't take courage of this just shooting from the hip courage. It takes a little bit of smart courage. Who put the ape in apricot? What are you talking about? That's from the <laughs> Wizard of Oz. Courage. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, so, okay, a point on that, right, is, and I was going to bring this up earlier, the sea levels. Okay. Uh, C-level is a CIO, CEO, a C-level executive, mm-hmm. right? And they will also shout from the rooftops about courage and right. trust. And a lot of them, most of them, they're good at what they do. We're not really trashing them. However, what I'm seeing now in corporate today is many of the C-levels also are working from home. So now that trust needs to be re-earned, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're a C-level... And you're working from home. I don't know. Do I still have an open door policy? What is it? Do I come to your house? I mean, you know, so you have to reevaluate what you're bringing to the table for your guys as well on a regular basis. Right. It's not just automatic uh, trust and I don't have to work on it anymore. No, and I like that point that you brought up about working from home, too, regardless of what level you're at, because that that shows that the organization is putting a you know, putting their trust in you to actually get the work done, right? And we know, I mean, everybody knows that working from home, everybody's working from home. It's a skill. It's a skill, right? It's not that easy to do. It's very isolating. It's not very fun. And the one thing that you really need to be is you need to be there. Because there's so many times that people are working from home, you always know because you'll go in the office and people will say, so-and-so says they're working from home, but you can never get them. Or send me an email, I'm working from home. All of a sudden, they start assigning tasks. Right. Um, and, and the other thing is, um, and I, you know, I will say, right, that you were the working from home example, and I was not. No, you are right? not good working from home. I mean, I get that. So I had to go into the office. At least I made that. Right. 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 Um, so a perfect example I met a, I met someone a month or so ago, and we hadn't seen each other in a while. How you doing? Oh, company doesn't even know I exist anymore. I'm just working from home all the time. It's the best. How is that helping? It's not helping at all, and it's not helping your career at all. Right. Right. So if you want to make a difference and you're working from home, you have to give you have to give that job. Twice as much effort as you were yep. before. You really do. We talked about this yesterday, right? Yeah, and we I said, did. It would be okay if you're working from home and you're on a conference call, which is probably the only way you work these days. Right. 
by saying, guys, can we just take a second and recap since I'm working from home, I'm not in the room with you, I want to make sure I got it right. You know, those type of step ups, I think, go a long way. No, I think they do go a long way. And, I mean, you're still working the same way. You're still doing your conference calls. You're still getting work done. I mean, even when you're in the office, especially if you're doing some type of consulting work, work with every, which everybody's kind of doing, or even if you're working in your own team, you're not really going to be meeting face-to-face with the other teams anyway that you're interfacing with or with clients or with you know um, patients or with whatever it is that you do. And so it's important that you, again, be trustworthy. Right. Right. And so it's extra important that when it's easy when you're on a call or via email to slam somebody, to throw somebody under the bus, you have to be extra vigilant in not doing that. And you have to be extra vigilant that you're actually putting in your time when you're working from home. In between the calls. In between the calls. And um, I, I know you're saying it's job description independent when you work from home. Mm-hmm. Everybody needs to have the same... Uh, Work ethic. Work ethics. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to say that that puts, that's shared leadership, right? That puts the C-level that's working from home with the same rules as the trainee that may be working from home. Right. Right? Um, we can't have a C-level not knowing where they are because they're working from home. No, you can't have anybody doing that. It doesn't matter if they're C-level or not. You need everybody to be accountable and there. You also need to start taking into account how isolating working from home can be. Yeah. And that that's another issue. I think we could actually talk about working from home for at least an hour, another hour, because working from home really has its challenges that nobody really talks about because everybody talks about how yeah. they hate the commute. And I agree. I was right there with you. I mean, three hours coming home on a Friday when it was raining from Naperville was craziness. But... On the other hand, you have to at least go in, if not once a week, then once a month, depending on where you live, because it's too isolating. You know, I remember um, during my dock years, right around uh, Y2K, Mm -hmm. and everybody was working from home, working from home, working from home. And, you know, I remember uh, saying, well, if I had a home, I would work from it. But since I don't, I'm going to work from work. Right. Yeah. And I was the exception. Right. But it was almost like you were there by yourself anyway. It was like you were isolated anyway because everybody was home. Yeah. So you were in the office, but nobody was there. So it, it, it takes that much more effort. The bar goes up. It goes up. It takes that much more effort when you're working from home to build the trust and to build your motive and to build your understanding of what everybody does. Because just because you're working from home doesn't mean that you're no longer accountable for what your work, how your work impacts those down the line. Right. Right. I mean, you're still accountable for that. Right. I, you know, I suggest Skyping, video conferencing, uh, all of the above. I mean, it might be some issues with security. We need to bring security into the mix, too, because they have to adapt as well um if the coworkers are going to be working from home and and skyping and so on mm-hmm. right it's just it's the way we're evolving yeah we're absolutely evolving that way but it just my point is is that it's just trust is that much more important 
at yeah. that point when you're working from home. Yeah. Right? Yeah, absolutely. So one of the other things is, you know, we're about to take our second break, but one of the other things that I want to talk about, and I think we can talk about this for the rest of the show, is when we talk about making a difference as one person and we talk about building trust and we talk about understanding our motive and to have some courage, I mean, fear really gets in the way. Yeah. Right? And especially with the way environments are lately, there is no... 30-year career in one organization anymore. I mean, I think everybody is on the same page when it comes to that. You know, the days of starting there in the mailroom and then working your way up to chairman of the board are gone. You know, I mean, that just doesn't happen anymore. And so how do you stay current? How do you keep your position? I mean, we see here layoffs all the time, downsizing, right-sizing, whatever you call it, you're basically losing your job. And so how do you... A, you know, make, keep yourself current, keep yourself in the loop, and yet put yourself out there. Because I think a lot of times what happens is people think, well, if I lay low, you know, I'm not going to take the hit. Maybe I'll blink and I'll be 70. Right. And I, I'll have missed it. Right. Uh, okay. So, it. uh, well, I also want to bring up with fear when we come back, mm. the, well, there's nothing you can do because I think that's fear based as well. It is fair base. So. Okay. Well, stay with us, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and we'll be right back. Charlie Labosco is an author, speaker, and trainer with over 40 years' experience in the corporate workplace. Contact Charlie today to interact, influence, and inspire others in your organization. Whether it's a one-hour keynote presentation or a five-day training seminar, Charlie is available to speak on many topics, including making a difference in the workplace, even as one person, building shared leadership teams, and his signature award-winning seminar, Care Certification in the Workplace. Charlie speaking at your organization will make a difference on day one. For more information and to book Charlie, go to charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Let's get back to Charlie and Eva for more corporate talk on Talk Zone. All right. Welcome back. Segment three. Um, I'm animated because this is a very important topic. It is a very important right? topic. Right. I mean, we, I love uh, our producer and I love our Talk Zone family. The commercial was perfect to talk about making a difference even as one person. Mm hmm. We're there for you, right? Um, we can do better. There's no reason for any of this. Right. Right? Um, we all need to step up. That's the key. We were talking about trust, mm-hmm. right? Um, and, of course, um, it's earned, right? And then we evolve into fear. As well, we went from courage. courage. It takes courage to be trustworthy. It takes courage to not be fearful, and it takes courage to earn trust. Yeah, and you know what? I, I like what I heard at a conference I was at the other day where this um, a guy named Gene Monteroselli said, you don't have to be courageous all the time. You just have to be courageous in the moment. And I love that. You know, so well, be fearful before. But when like, you hit the um, button on the courageous on the courageous email or when you speak up in a meeting when everyone is laying low because you had the meeting after the meeting. That's when it's time to bring it. That's the time to bring it. And that's when, that's the time to be courageous. That's like um, 
uh, when Ali used to lay low during the round to rest, mm. and then at the end he would bring it. He would have the courage to engage and bring it to win the round. Right. Gotta love it. Uh, um, I, I want to keep fear on the table. Yes. Right. And I want to just bring up the ambivalence, which is hidden fear. You know, there's nothing you can do. That's the way it is here. There's nothing you can do. And you hear that all the time. I mean, I've been here. I heard that for 30 some years of my career. And um, in the context of fear, mm. I'm saying that it's an assumption. When someone says there's nothing you can do, I'm going to engage. Right. How do you know? Did you try and, and make right. a difference? Right. Uh, well, no, because, uh, you know, I'll be on the bottom 10 or I'll be right. downside. Right. So it's the fear that's causing all of that. Oh, the fear absolutely causes it. But people don't see that as fear. Sometimes they'll see it as just being smart. <laughs> I, well, I think, you know, there's this old song I used to hear in the, in the 30s. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> in the 70s, you know, do you lie to yourself and assign yourself to believe it? Mm. You know, and I think that's what happens. People, they're so used to just burying their issues. Uh, or we're so used to burying, uh, burying our issues that we don't say it's fear. When it no, really we don't say it's fear. Well, I have found that a lot of people tend to think that everyone else should be the ones that should be worried about their careers. <laughs> so, you know, I'm in a workplace and I'm angry because they didn't figure out my, their career, my career path for me. Yeah. Right. And they're not going to. They're, not, They're going not going to. Or if they do, it may not be the one you like. You know, it's funny. And you hear that all the time, that people really put so much responsibility on the organization. Figure out what you want for yourself. Um, and I have to say that I was guilty of that as well along the way in my career, right? Um, so I get it. Mm. And I get what others do because I was the same way, mm-hmm. right? Till I... Uh, <clears throat> found my motive and I learned to leverage my teammates and that gave me courage because I knew they had my back and I had their back. Right. And then the fear kind of subsided a little bit and I was able to speak up and all of that went away and everything changed. Yeah, everything does change. And I think the biggest fear is that people are always afraid to be themselves. I mean, that was my big issue. I always thought I had to be a certain way, act a certain way, especially as a woman in a very male dominated industry. And there is part of that. I mean, part of that is true. I mean, in order to get your point across, you do have to change a bit. But I also found that when I let myself out, that's when really my career started taking off. So where it gets tricky Mm -hmm. is um, when you let yourself out, be your authentic self, Mm -hmm. right, which we also promote, and that's one of the main attributes of a shared leadership Mm -hmm. model. Let's say you're a introverted type person, not fearful, but mm-hmm. you're just not that um, external speaker. Right. So uh, in my model, I would ask or hope or encourage that maybe someone leverages a teammate to share or deliver something for them. But, you know, how do you get that person to be heard? Well, first of all, that person definitely has a voice. And what I like about that person is that person doesn't just talk to hear themselves talk, Mm. right? And 
all you have to do with that person, that person that's not fearful, but just kind of keeping it close to the vest and in a bit more introverted, so not always wanting to be in the spotlight, is that if you can explain to them, so if you're that person, you just have to speak up for that five or ten minute segment, right? Because what happens is when those people do speak, when people that are introverted tend to speak, it's always like a nugget of gold. It's just pure, it's a diamond. It's pure content. It's pure content. Yeah. It's always a diamond. So understand that we know that when you do finally share, it's like, holy cow, that yeah. was something. That's why I'm telling you, I love that. What do you think? When somebody says to me, what do you think? It means mm-hmm. they want to hear what I have to say. Right. And so if you tend to be the one that's the lead in the team and you know that you have more of an introverted person in your team, it's up to you to get that person to speak up a little bit. doesn't mean you have to bully that person no, to say it's speak not about- up. You have to figure out the best way to reach that person. Right. What I find annoying, what I find annoying, and I'm finding this more and more in our culture, is that we keep trying to homogenize the culture. We keep trying to make everybody be the same, yet the people that are the innovators, the people that are the movers and shakers, are completely different than everybody else. You know, Lady Gaga wore meat to an awards ceremony, right? I mean, craziness. But, I mean, it got her into the spotlight. And so... We celebrate the ones that are different, but God, we don't make it easy for them and then, to get into the spotlight. Uh, and, you know, to that point, right, you think about the fear that and the courage, you know, the courage to shed the fear to do what she did. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it did take courage to do that because she knew it was like out there. And a lot of people will say, well, you know, those people are just like that. It's not true. I mean, it's not true. People... There are people that do like the spotlight. There are people that do like to grab the spotlight. But on the other hand, they have insecurities just like anybody else does. And so you just have to understand that. But this whole thing that everybody in your team needs to be an extrovert, everybody needs to be an amazing speaker. You know, you keep hearing it all the time. You need to be really good at this. You need to be really good at that. You need to be really good at sharing your message. No, you need to be able to share your message when it's important to share it. And you need to, more than anything, be yourself and understand what your strengths and what your weaknesses are. And then surround yourself with the people that can help you in your weaker areas because you will then help them in their weaker areas. That's it. There's my nugget. Have a nice day, everyone. Um, no, it's true because uh, we're not always right, ever. No, but I know I'm right on that one. On that one. And, but that's the whole point about leverage. Yes. And about not having the fear to be wrong. Right. Because every wrong. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Because everybody is wrong at some point. And you have to start stepping up and allowing yourself to have the times when you might be wrong. Now, you've got the other people that will just talk regardless. Right. Wrong. Smart. Dumb. They don't care. They just start talking. Right. They just like to grab that spotlight. What about Benghazi? What about Benghazi? (laughs) Exactly. And it tends to be not to stereotype, but many times it tends to be more men. Mm. And it's just, you know, the way guys are, you know, they'll dominate. They've showed it. They were showing something, it was like on PBS or whatever, they were showing little boys in the classroom, you know, and they're just like, you know, the teacher would ask a question and the boys are in the front like, ow, 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 ow. And then she'd ask what the answer is and be like, oh, I don't know, you know, <laughs> just like, it just oh, gets yeah. to have my hand up there, just you know? Hand up. <laughs> right. Well, okay, the thing is, right, if you have that aggressive 
person that just talks. Right, and you're not that aggressive person. You still need to determine if you can trust that person. Right. The same rules apply. Right. right? Like I had a tough guy in a previous assignment um, that I couldn't trust. I mm-hmm. also had work with tough guys that I could trust. And mm-hmm. there's a huge difference there. Mm-hmm. But you got to go through that same uh, rule. Can I trust this guy? Right. You also then, um, you need to look at that. But then also if you're the one that has a lot of fear, because I had a lot of fear, you need to start looking at where the fear is coming from and start looking at ways of addressing it. One of the things that I'm finding is that a lot of people tend to have highly sensitive temperaments. And this is something that had been brought up a long time ago, like 70s or the 80s. You know, someone had actually written a book on it. But what I'm finding is, is that there's people that I call deflectors and some people that are vacuums. And deflectors. Oh, deflectors. Yeah, deflectors are, I always think of like Wonder Woman with her shield. Mm. You know, you know, she put up her arms, you know, the bullets would come at her and she could just put up her wrists and, you know, with her shields and, and just deflect get them, it, right? And, I got it. So then, um, then there's also the vacuum that any little slight, any little weird nod of the head, any weird vibe, we suck that up. Uh, okay. Right? Right. We suck that up. And vacuums tend to have a harder time speaking openly because we pick the vibe up in the room. A deflector, like you're kind of a deflector. You're a little bit of both, but you're more deflector. I'm more vacuum, right? So a deflector will be like, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, so-and-so look fine to me, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, whereas the vacuum will say, no, you know, I felt the vibe in the room. It's complicated. It gets complicated. So, I mean, the point is, is that if you're one of those people that tends to be more highly sensitive, that if you tend to be the vacuum, then you also need to start looking at ways to kind of bring that fear down a little bit so you too can start sharing your message. Because that's part of my motive is to help people that have that fear shed that a little bit. You don't have to shed it all the time, but shed it during the times when you can actually share your message. Because what you have to say is just as important as what anybody else has to say. And you don't want to shed it to the point where you, you too are shooting from the hip. Right, but that's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. No? No, no, not really. Okay, uh, excellent. So maybe when we come back, we can uh, talk some more about this and also maybe how to get help or where we can um, develop some of these skills that we need. Now, you know, I am bummed out, though, and I'm going to say it one more time about mm-hmm. the C-levels working from home. Um, I think they're missing out on a lot of their accountability by explaining what the new engagement rules are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's important, and I, I ask that teams – engage their sea level if they're working from home and try to get them to, you know, bring that to the table. Excellent. Uh, we have one more segment. We'll be back on Skype. Uh, so stay with us. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva. We'll be right back. Let Charlie Labosco show you how to revolutionize your presence in the workplace. Charlie is looking to improve the workplace, and by that he means your relevance in it. Charlie has over 40 years in the corporate workplace. He has seen the unbelievable, mind-boggling, off-the-charts changes in technology, but no real change in our day-to-day and sometimes toxic workplace behavior. Charlie's mission is to revolutionize the workplace by providing the training and the tools needed to lead any organization regardless of your job description. 
For more about Charlie and how to be a part of the workplace improvement revolution, visit charliespeaking.com. That's charliespeaking.com. Welcome back to Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva on TalkZone.com. Welcome back, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and we are in our fourth and final segment talking about how to make a difference in the workplace, even as one person, and what it takes to do that. And it's not easy. You know, I mean, we went over motive and trust and courage, and then from courage, you know, underlying courage is always fear, right? And we always think that people that are courageous are just always courageous, and then they're just as afraid as anyone else. I go back to my guy, right, the lion. He was the courageous lion, but he also was the, the cowardly lion, right? As you would say to me, yeah, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and notice that all of these attributes are soft skills. They're all soft skills. Yes. Yeah, I mean, so much of what we have to do, we need the technical piece of what we do, but so much of getting along in the workplace and making a difference in the workplace and being someone that's a partner and not just a resource is all built around soft skills. And so if you're one of those people that tends to poo-poo soft skills or you think that, well, soft skills is either weakness or it's brown-nosing, you're wrong, and you need to start looking at that a little differently. That's another, that's it. Have a nice day. Thank you. Everything Boom, is mic perfect. drop, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> I agree 100%. Yeah, because um, I think so many times... People just get into a silo around their work and they say, well, I'm really highly technical and I know everything in my job responsibilities. And we get that. Except but there's that, more to work than that. In that context, right, that technical skill can be had for $19 an hour. Right. And that's part of the problem. Say, I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it's going away. It's going away. And, and each year, the technical pieces become more and more automated. So there's always a need for that in some context. But the bigger piece is that you need to know that piece, but you also need to have the soft skills around it. You need to be able to work with other people. Right. You need to be able to share your message. And you need to be able to do that in a context that is you. Because if it's not you that you're sharing, if you are always pretending to be someone else, it will take you down eventually. And you know what? You can even go back to the cupcake store and um, it's more than just making the cupcake, right? You right. have to bring it yourself, your persona, the likability, the cleanliness of the store, everything around that job description. The hours that meet your customers' needs, right. you know, the packaging that meets your customers' needs, you know, what else do they need? That's right. how you become relevant. That's how you become vital. So uh, you want to talk what? Bullies? Well, I wanted to talk challenges. Challenges. Right, because a lot of times when we talk about um Stepping up in the workplace, making a difference as one person, people will say, well, I had, you don't know my boss. And I'll be like, you know what? I kind of do yeah. because I've had them. We, one of the things I want to share is when we talk bullies, that's where we, we butt heads a little bit because, you know, I maybe sometimes with a bully would be pro death penalty and, and you wouldn't. Yeah. To me, so this is definitely where we differ, right? Because you have in the past been a bully, right? Mm. So you, you handle bullies with bullying. And to me, that doesn't work. I don't think handling a bully with bullying works. Now, that doesn't mean that you do everything the bully says. 
But you also have to kind of, you have to use a little psychology around a bully. Because if you understand that a bully bullies simply because they're insecure, you have a leg up already. And people don't get that. But part of that is an insecurity there. So if you can come in and look at it a little differently and say, okay, I see what you're saying, but here's how I think we should do it. You can still stand up for yourself and get around the bully at times. Now, at other times, I mean... A bully can be really bad news, but most of the time, if you if you do not approach a bully with bullying, you approach it more from how can I help, and you just keep your motive clear, your trustworthiness high. Most of the times, the bully will be taken out eventually. Eventually, and, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I'll say that I agree with what you say, mm-hmm. of course. Now, but it's hard sometimes to um, to engage like that. It's a challenge. It's a skill. It is a, it is a challenge and it is a skill, but it's worth taking the effort because what will happen if you try to bully the bully, he'll take you out or she'll take you out. Yeah. You know, and make no mistake, bullies come in both genders. Yeah. You know, they just look a little different, uh-huh. but they're they're really in both genders. So if you try to bully a bully, they will take you out. They will take you out. I've seen that. Yeah, you have to finesse it a little bit. You know, another thing that I wanted to bring up, too, because, you know, we're kind of running out of time, was, you know, a lot of people worry are worried about losing their jobs, especially as they get older, right? You know, people really worry about losing their jobs as they get older. And they're afraid to, and we've seen this in our workshops, they're afraid to share the information that they have because they think that if they share the information and what they know, their knowledge, that those under them, will just take over. Right. That's a big problem. It's a big problem. Information sharing. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I agree. Um, and you know what? So uh, in a, at the end of my corporate career years back, I was downsized. However, it was the right move, right? And I was sharing my information regularly, mm-hmm. which helped that transition. Um, it didn't hurt me because it would have happened anyway. Right. And it was collaborative. It's not my information, it's the company's. That's how I looked at it. Right, but what you what we found though too is people don't want to share with younger people and then they also feel that they that younger people have nothing to share with them, have nothing to give them in return. And it's so mm. not true. Mm. It's yeah. so not true. Young people have so much great knowledge. It's just different than what we know. And if you aren't hooking in with the younger people in your organization, you're missing out. And you're you're missing out in a way that will make you start being not relevant anymore because you have to understand what is coming up that's new and exciting and you have to start embracing it. Yeah. You have to start embracing it because the way we did things isn't the way they're doing things anymore. And we have to understand that. And we may think that it's dumb the way they're doing it, and some of the things are dumb, but that's where your knowledge comes in, and that's where you talk to younger people as though they were equal. Right, so a shared leadership model is age-independent. It's way age-independent. And that should be part of your team. Right, you've got wisdom, but you also have to understand what it was like to be that age, too. Yeah. And that understand that you at that time had a lot of great knowledge too, and you brought a lot to the table. So uh, the best case scenario would be, I'm sharing my knowledge with a younger person, mm-hmm. and they absorb it, 
and come up with a maybe more efficient way to do something or they use that information to help them with something else. Right. So it's a win-win. Right. But you can't share information with them acting like you know everything and they know nothing because we see that all the time. Yeah. We see it all the time. Older employees sharing information yeah, like they just know everything and that these kids are just dumb. Yep. Right? Yeah. When I worked and, on Y1K and I was chiseling <laughs> those tablets, you know. that's Those were the days. Those that was days. work. That was work. Yeah. And so, you know, that's that's a big one that I see for people that have been in the workforce for a while. And you don't have to be that old to start taking on that persona. You can be in your 40s and start taking on that persona that you already know everything and, and they can't teach you anything. Yeah. You know, and it's something to become very aware of because you have to in order to be relevant, you need to know what the new stuff is. So maybe you want to uh, assess how you're getting out and collaborating. Right. Right. Are you right. talking to people? Are you staying in the in your cube? Are you are people asking you what you think? That's a good measure. Right. It's a good measure. And understand that when you treat everyone with respect, you will get the respect back. And then you have to share. And you have to share. You you have to I mean they taught you that in kindergarten, right? You gotta share. Right. Yeah. You have to I, share. I I, I wanna go back if it's okay to the bullying. <laughs> Well, and I want to talk about one other thing, though, before we go back okay. to bullying, because I want to talk about the meeting after the meeting. Okay. Right? So we talk about this all the time. We all do it. It's the meeting after the meeting. Yep. So you have a meeting. Nobody steps up. Everybody's going, yeah, 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 Then we yeah. go down to Starbucks. Then we go down to Starbucks or we go down to wherever. And, you know, when we used to smoke, we would go down to smoke and we would have the meeting after the meeting. Yep. And everybody would say that was ridiculous. That was the dumbest thing I heard. This is exactly what we're talking about. This is the time in the meeting is the time to start stepping up and saying what you think in a way that's collaborative. And maybe you can test that by doing a little <laughs> bit at a time. Right. You know, right. Um, I, I agree. Um, and going back to the bullying, I just wanted to say quickly that you have the bully, you have the victim who's the person being bullied. And then you have the bystander, which could be the rest of the team. Right. And we got that from Lorna And we Laura, got that from Lorna a, Blumen. a former guest. Yes. Mm-hmm. So uh, the way we need to react or work is to collaborate and build a network so that we have teammates that we can lean on and not protect us from the bully, but have some group of people we can speak to, which would silence that a little bit. Right. So good show, see. Oh, thanks. Uh, you know, we'll probably continue uh, after this. Yeah, we absolutely will. And if any of you out there, if you've stayed with us this whole time, you know, please make sure that you comment on our Facebook page on Corporate Talk with Charlie or Neva or, or also on LinkedIn. It's on us to make a difference. Uh, and we can and we need to. That's why we're working where we are. Right. Right. So thank you, Charles. OK, thank Great you. Jim. E. And thanks to our producer, Dave Olson. Have a great week, everyone. This is Corporate Talk with Charlie and Eva, and we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye.